Uh, Father God, I love you. I praise you. You are indeed an awesome Holy Father. I thank you for this time together and the, the reality that you've given us uh, your peace, your joy, your purpose uh, in this message to be able to change our lives. Lord, your, ne your word never goes out without accomplishing the purpose for which it's sent. And I praise you for that. I praise you that that's truth today. Uh, that even now as we speak, as we come before your throne of grace, you're preparing hearts to receive your word. So, Lord, I just ask that you uh, remove my opinion, uh, my will, my ways out of this, and you would speak through me today. And I just ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. All right. So a uh, little quick review. God confirms his covenant last week in uh, chapter 17. Uh, were y'all here yet last week? Yeah, man, that was awesome service. Uh, awesome sermon as J.D. Uh, brought us. Chapter 17, uh, God confirmed his covenant with Abraham and, uh, or Abram, and uh, he changes his name to Abraham. Uh, he establishes the sign of the covenant. Anybody remember what that was? Yeah, circumcision for all males through all generations. Uh, God changes Sarai's name to Sarah, and, and it tells Abraham that she will be the one who bears the son of promise, and his name will be Isaac, and the, the covenant will be an everlasting covenant with him through all generations. Man, that's awesome, man. God, God don't mind giving a promise out, a covenant out, and say, man, this is what it's going to be. And then the Lord, when the Lord had told all of this to Abraham, and he, Abraham did exactly as he was instructed, uh, beginning with circumcision on himself and Ishmael and then all the males in the house. And it says he did it that very day. Uh, it was immediately instant obedience, even though it was pretty daggone awkward and painful. I mean, he did his first, so now he's like, oh, i got to do 500 more of these? Uh, Man, that's a rough day following the Lord. I'm thinking we ain't having that bad of a day following the Lord. Uh, so uh, today we're going to be digging into the first half of chapter 18. And, and, and just as a reference, the time frame between chapter 17 and 18 is uh, no more than three months, probably a little less than that. So a lot of time hasn't passed. And uh, since I forgot my nutshell last week, we're going to go ahead and throw it out there early this week. Not last week, but the last time I preached. Nutshell, uh, if you're new, first-time visitors, how many, who's our first-time visitors? Got a few? Cool, cool, awesome, awesome. Cool, man, thank you all for being here today. Uh, so I do a nutshell, so if you don't get nothing else, at least you can grab that early and carry that home with you, and uh, you got something. So nutshell for the day, God's grace is overwhelming. His power is unlimited, His promise is true, and His purpose prevails, Always. All of God's promises are yes and amen through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, so i got to ask you something now. Do you, do you believe that today? Do you believe it today? Is that real? Is that truth in your heart? And if, if so, how has that transformed your purpose, your priorities, and your devotion to Jesus? In other words, how has Jesus transformed your life? Man, we got to think about that sometimes, that Am I the same person I was last week, last month, last year? 
or maybe the other way around. Man, God's working all the time, all the time. Man, he's invited us to join him. And uh, we get to see God things happen in us and through us by his power at work. So, so our, our scripture today, it, it contains the greatest, it's my opinion, I said no opinions today, but you're getting one anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, contains the greatest, most important rhetorical question that's ever been asked. You know what a rhetorical question is, right? It's one that don't need answered. It's so obvious you don't even need to answer it. Uh, but we need to resolve this in our hearts and minds today. Is anything too hard for our God? Is anything too hard for our God? You're right. I mean, I believe that. I believe that with most of my heart most days. Man, some days I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get through this day. You ever been there? Man, it happens. If you don't say it happens, you, you're doing better than I am, or either you're kidding yourself. All right, we all struggle at times. Nothing is too hard for our God. So I want you to kind of grab hold of a couple of things to look for in our Scripture this morning. And uh, notice how Abraham serves the Lord, and how Sarah responds to the Lord and how the Lord responds to them, and by virtue of time, to us in these kinds of situations. So uh, let's just kind of walk through it and pull some things out, and then I'll try to tie it all back together at the end. Uh, starting in Genesis chapter 18, we're going to go 1 through 15 today. Uh, starting in verse 1, because that makes sense. Uh, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. All right, so first thing we learn about that is that Moses, the writer of Genesis, uh, tells us that it's the Lord that appeared to, to Abraham. It's a pre-incarnate Jesus. Uh, he appears to Abraham. And it, and, it, and it doesn't really say that Abraham understands who this is just yet. I mean, that, that was Moses writing it, and he tells us that. He says, the Lord appeared to Abraham. Um, but we don't know if under, we don't really, it doesn't really say if Abraham understood who it was yet. And uh, second thing we notice is Abraham, he's hanging out by the entrance of his tent uh, because it's hot. All right? Some things in the Bible are just plain practical. It's hot. The climate that time of year and that culture, you didn't work in the heat of the day. You was finding some shade and cooling off, taking your little afternoon siesta. That's, that's the kind of life I like right there, man. I'm all about a nap. You give me 20 minutes, I'm going to find some place to lay down. I'm just telling you. I am not as young as I used to be, and I am not ashamed. But he, he was relaxing, man. He's standing in the cool shade of his tent. Uh, not so far in its hot, but it's getting out of the sun. And, and, and it says in verse 2, it says, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Now, that sounds kind of, uh, kind of weird for uh, our context and our culture today, but it would have been a customary way to greet guests in the Near East at that time, whether you knew them or not. Uh, if guests showed up, even if they were strangers, you, you stopped what you were doing and you, uh, you offered to share with them what you had. It's just how that culture was wired. Hospita hospitality was like huge then. 
it was a, a major insult not to be received. Um, man, hospitality should still be uh, a huge thing now for us. Uh, man, we can have great impact for God's kingdom just by serving and extending kindness to people in the name of Jesus. Man, you really can. It's not that hard, and it's not that complicated. In verse 3, starting in verse 3, he said, If I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. <coughs> Speaking of a little water, let a little water be brought. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. And let me get you something to eat. And the ESV says a little morsel of bread. So he's not promising a whole lot. He says, so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. And they, they answer, very well they answered, do as you say. And uh, th this is where Abraham begins to realize who he's talking to. <clears throat> Again, my opinion that I wasn't going to give. This is where, he, at this point, though, you've got to realize the Lord Jesus had visibly appeared to him three times prior to this. Back in Genesis 12, 12 7, in uh, chapter 15, verse 1, and in 17, last week, verse 22, uh, he appeared uh, to Abraham. Now, in verse 3, he identifies one of the, the, one of the men as my Lord, Adonai, uh, which is how he refers to him later in the chapter when there's no doubt that Abraham knows who it is. So I, I think he's starting to get it now. Uh, now, Abraham is wealthy, and he, and he rolls out the red carpet for these guests. Uh, you know, it's kind of always a good idea to over-exceed uh, expectations. You know, he said, man, I'm going to get you a little bread. I'll see if i got a little scraps left for you for bread and bring some water. You wash your feet, cool your feet off, relax for a while, and then you can go on down the road. But what he does is he rolls out the red carpet. Uh, starting in 6, it says, So Abraham hurried to the tent, into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three shears of the finest flour and bake it into some bread. Knead it and bake it into some bread. Now, now three shears, that's like 15, 20 quarts of flour. Man, that's a boatload of bread for three folks. Uh, more, over and abundant than what he had to do. And then it says, Then he ran to the herd, and he selected a choice tender calf and gave it to the servant, who hurried to prepare it. And then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before him. And, and while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. He didn't sit down and eat with them. He stood near them under a tree. Now, Abraham, he was a pretty extravagant host to his guests. He gave them, uh, what, like an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> he set it up before them, and then he stood there nearby to be able to continue to serve. And you've you got to realize that Abraham was wealthy. Uh, he was like an elder, a sheik in that time. And um, he was probably a lot more accustomed to being served and not, and not doing the serving, right? He is more accustomed to being served than actually serving, yet he set the food before them and stood by to serve them as they ate. You know, last week in J.D.'s sermon, he noted that uh, Abraham obeyed the Lord instantly and immediately. And from the moment Abraham hurried out to greet them, when they appeared to, to the uh, preparation of the meal, Abraham was on it, man. He, he was quick on it. He wanted the things to get done. He, he hurried into the tent to Sarah. He had 
Sarah be quick preparing the bread. He ran to pick up the calf in the heat of the day. He ran out to do that. They're supposed to be taking a nap. He ser his servants hurried to prepare the food. And then he brought it out to them, and he stood near them under the tree. Abraham served his guests with a sense of urgency. Now, it wasn't something he felt he had to do. It was something he was honored to do. And he did it quickly, and he did it extravagantly. He used the finest flour, the finest flour and a choice tender calf. Abraham took the very best of what he had to offer, and he served it to the Lord. And he served with humility, he served with joy, and he served with enthusiasm. Man, that's how we need to be serving the Lord. Man, that's a picture of how we should be serving the Lord. Man, recognizing that in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And then in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Man, so whether we're serving here on a Sunday morning or serving your family every day or performing your job, man, do it with humility, with joy, and with enthusiasm because it's the Lord Jesus Christ you're serving. Man, that can change everything when you have to do the hard thing. Man, I'm telling you, it can. Do it as unto the Lord. Remember what Abraham did in verse 8? While he ate, he stood near them under the tree. Hey, man, you ever heard that expression, uh, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready? <laughs> yeah, not only was the food prepared, but so was Abraham. Are we standing by ready to serve the Lord when the opportunity knocks? Man, do we kind of have that just kind of built into us that, man, God's going to do something today, and I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Now, in Matthew 25, we, we read uh, of Jesus when he returns, separating the sheep from the goats. Y'all remember that story? Now, now, it gives directions in here. Don't take it personal. <laughs> when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, and this is Matthew 25, verses 31 through 34. It says, And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Now, if that offends you, you can turn around and you can be the sheep, and they can be the goats. You do it however you've got to do that. But he'll put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on, the right, on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And uh, he goes on, and he's like, when, when, I was, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink, and you fed me when I was hungry and clothed me and cared for me. And, and they were just like, man, we're just out serving people in Jesus' name. When do we do all that? And he said this in Matthew 25, 40. He said, the king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Work as unto the Lord. In Matthew 25, down in 45 through 46, he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous 
to eternal life. Man, we need to live life in light of eternity. Man, that's where our inheritance is at. Man, are you aware of God's presence in your life? Man, Jesus says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Are we living our lives in light of eternity instead of today? You know, Jesus, is, Jesus isn't expressed as a feeling, right? Now, though we can feel his presence in our life, we can feel his presence, but Jesus is expressed as a person, right, whose spirit lives within us. He came. He really was born as a child. He grew up perfect, lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on a cross and was risen again on the third day so that our sins could be forgiven. He took upon himself the penalty for our sins. That's Jesus. That's the spirit that lives within us. So whether we feel him or not, we're in his presence his spirit lives within us, and we need to respond like Abraham to the presence of the Lord in our lives. Abraham, he wasn't perfect, but he was surrendered. He sacrificed, he served, and he shared. And when the Lord showed up, he was prepared, and he went into action. Man, be prepared, be willing, and be available. Too many times we might be prepared, we might be willing but our schedules are so full, we don't have time to stop and join God what he's doing right beside you. Be prepared, be willing, and be available. And at this point in our scripture today, the story makes a shift. It goes from Abraham to Sarah. And, and I think, really, this is the point of the Lord coming to them on this occasion and why God included this in the Bible. Uh, the Lord had confirmed his covenant with Abraham uh, that he would have a son through Sarah and that his name would be Isaac. And he did all that on the last visitation that he had with uh, Abraham. But now he's included Sarah in the covenant as well. But Sarah is struggling with unbelief, right? And I think that's what he did. He, he's not willing uh, to see Sarah stay where she's at, right? We'll see that the Lord addresses Sarah both uh, indirectly and directly. Uh, before, he never spoke to Sarah. So in verse 9, it says, Where's your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said, Abraham. Don't miss that, though. Sarah is addressed by her new name. All right, she hadn't even been mentioned yet. Then one of them, the Lord, said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, I don't think Abraham or Sarah had any question at all about whose that is that's coming to them. They knew they were speaking to the Lord. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Like, Sarah's pushing 90. Abraham's tripping on into triple digits. They're old. They're tired. <laughs> That's not even a natural thing to be possible. And then check out Sarah's response. It says, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Uh, now, now, we've never been guilty of anything like that, right? right? You, you had never laughed at something God called us to do. I mean, maybe not laugh, but you're pretty sure he had the wrong number, right? <laughs> I mean... 
Lord, you sure this is the number you meant to call? This is a BR549. If you don't know what that is, ask somebody over like 50 later. They'll be able to tell you. Um, we do, man. Sometimes we're like, God, you, you know God's pressing you to do something or to speak up, and you're like, yeah, maybe he's talking to the guy next door, and that's just close enough to hear. Man, he's talking to you. He's talking to you today, to you. Man, it's the same response that Abraham had back in chapter 17 that we looked at last week. Abraham laughed too. But the difference was that Abraham believed the Lord and was obedient to do what the Lord commanded immediately. See, Romans 4, verses 20 and 21 tells us this. It says, Yet he, Abraham, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his face and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised to do. He was fully persuaded. In our scripture in verse 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Now, now Sarah was thinking that. Sarah wasn't saying that. But God heard that. God knew. He knew her heart. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did. Yes, you did. I know. I know your thoughts. I know your fears. I know your doubts. But I'm not willing to leave you there. The Lord calls out Sarah. Man, he wasn't going to let that last slide. But the Lord wasn't going to go back on his promise either. He changed Sarah's perspective. Give her a wider view of him and her faith would grow. God refused to allow Sarah, Sarah to settle for less than his best for her. God hadn't asked her to find a way to accomplish the possible, right? She tried that once before when she gave her, her servant Hagar to Abraham to be a wife to produce the son that God said that he was going to produce through her. Man, we jack stuff up when we get in the middle of it, don't we? God wasn't asking her to fix it. God was asking her to trust him. In the face of unbelief, God's grace pours out and the Lord fulfills his promise. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We'll see in a few weeks when we get to chapter 21. Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that God had promised him. And then in Hebrews 11, 11, it says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she, was con because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Sarah grew in her faith. And it was accredited to her to righteousness, and she's in our hall of fame of faith. 
God's grace is overwhelming. It's our nutshell, right? His grace is overwhelming. His power unlimited. His promise is true. And his purposes prevail. All of God's promises are yes and amen through Jesus Christ our Lord. And how has that transformed your purpose, your priorities, and your devotion to Jesus Christ? Because it's true. And the reason we're here is to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And how is that truth transforming your life with his presence? And so, so, so what's our takeaway today? Uh, got this, uh, I ran across a Bible study while I was studying for this sermon, and I pulled some points out of it and, uh, and kind of uh, and just embell- uh, added to them a little bit, but uh, I thought this was really good. Uh, what's our takeaway today? God loves to do hard things. You know why? Because he likes to do things that we can't do, so when he does them, he gets the glory. Amen. Amen. So here's, here's five places, five examples of hard things that God likes to do. All right. First, there is no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. No promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. It's been estimated there are 30,000 promises in the Bible. I did not count those. 30,000 promises in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. 30,000 promises. There's no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that's kept and never spilled, never perish, boil, or fade, and this inheritance is kept in heaven. So there is no promise too hard for the Lord to fulfill, and there is no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. Man, pray God-sized prayers that only He can do. Man, and keep asking and keep praying and keep believing that He's going to answer. Man, there's no prayer too hard for the Lord to answer. Jeremiah 33, 3 says this. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you, tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So we've God's promise. He always keeps his promise. Prayer, he can always answer. No prayer is too hard for him to answer. And thirdly, there's no problem too hard for the Lord to solve. Man, have you been trying to fix something, some problem for so long you've given up hope? Man, you're not even trying anymore. Man, believe the Lord to do in and through you what you can't do yourself. He's still the miracle worker, amen? Remember the things he has done in your past and move forward. Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Man, when we do that, when we remember when God has done something big in our life and he showed up just when you needed him because you didn't have anything else to live and you knew you didn't have the answer, that's our God. And when we remember those things, it gives us strength for the future to where we can believe Philippians 4.13 where it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. 
Man, that's how we can stand on that promise. Because God's already at work. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, you've had a miracle in your life. Man, look back. Take notes. Write a journal. Stack some rocks up in your backyard so every time you see them, you remember that day that God did something. And I was reading this morning, Jeremiah, where they crossed into the promised land. And Joshua, uh, and, 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 and they, they, they sent the, um, they, they, the, the, the waters, they piled up. They piled up, and they walked through on dry land. When they got the other side, God told Joshua, said, tell them to go back in the middle of the place where the Ark of the Covenant was at and grab a rock, one person from each tribe, and carry it across and you stack them up. So generations later, people will look at the rocks and say, why are those there? Well, that's when God did a big thing. Remind them that their God has done great things. And God's done great things in your life, but he's not finished. He's not finished. Promises kept. Prayers answered. Problems solved. And there is no place too hard for the Lord to revive. And there is no place too hard for the Lord to revive. Maybe you're in a desert place right now. The ground is hard and it's parched and dry and you're feeling distant from the Lord. I don't know. He is still near. I know that. He's not done with you yet. I know that. Man, here's the truth you've got to hang on to. When, when things are hard and life seems like it's not getting any better, know that your story is still being written. And if you've got breath in your lungs, your story is still being written. Isaiah 43:19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Hmm. Turning deserts in the gardens. That desert, that hard place that you're in right now, man, it's the training ground for the victories of your future. Man, bear up under the hard places you find yourself at. Hang on to the Lord. Let him work in it and through it. Man, you're being built up in your faith, even in the hard things, mostly in the hard things, because God always shows up. Promises kept, prayers answered, problems solved, places revived. Lastly, there is no person too hard for the Lord to save. There's no person that's too far gone, done too much, has strayed too far for the Lord to save. And keep being Jesus. If you got somebody in your family, we all got somebody, right? And they don't want to hear nothing about it. And keep being Jesus to them and keep sharing Jesus with them in that order. Because if they can't see Jesus in you, they're not going to hear about Jesus from you. The same Holy Spirit that came down on Pentecost and 5,000 were saved is the same Holy Spirit that lives within you if you're a child of God. And Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, Jesus, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he is always lives to intercede for them. And Jesus is to the right side of the throne of God. 
interceding on our behalf right now. Man, nothing's going to snatch you out of God's hand. Man, and there's no place better to be than under the leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ. And so be bold in your proclamation of the gospel. Share your story of how God has transformed your life and let God use that to transform others. When God shows up and he wants to show off in your life, when he's calling you to believe for something that seems laughable, man, stand up and step out in faith. Be surrendered, live sacrificially, serve enthusiastically, and share passionately the love and the life you live in Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, when we do that, we're going to have uh, impact that we can't even imagine. Man, when we do that, we can watch God do the impossible both in our lives and through our lives for His glory and for the advancement of His kingdom. Man, that's why we're here. It's why we're here. It's why he called you before you were born to himself and he drew you to himself so that we could be the conduit of his love and his grace to those that don't know him. And don't miss your purpose. That's it. Live it. Experience it. Grow through it. And let God just completely blow your mind. Blow your mind and knock your socks off. And we have an awesome, awesome God. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. I praise you. I thank you for your word that uh, teaches us how to live, speaks truth into our lives, transforms us from the broken, lost sinners that we are into children of God that are being transformed moment by moment, day by day, into your image for your glory. So, Lord, I pray right now for those that are here that know you, may we step up and step out and be the men and women of God that you've called us to be, that we'd be surrendered, that we would sacrifice, that we would serve and share, that our lives would be an offering to you. Lord, for those that are here that don't know you, I pray that you would pierce their hearts with the reality of your presence, the reality of your peace, the reality of your purpose, the reality of your love for them, that they would come into relationship with you and they would no longer look to the world for hope because hope is only found in you. So, Lord, move during this time as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. And God's always working. But he's working right now in each one of us. Man, do business with the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to pray with you and talk to you and share with you about that. And if you do and you've got something you need to pray with, grab a brother or a sister or come up and we'll pray with you. But do business with God today. Amen? Amen.